It is the Friends from Work podcast, and we are back here to record another episode. I'm Kyle Sconowil. I'm Robbie Earl. And we're excited to be here again today. Today is going to be a fun, interesting day as we're going <laughs> to be looking at the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, we and are. And trying to maybe look at it in a slightly different way than we typically do. So that will be unique. But before we get started, Robbie, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Feeling. Uh, How's France? France is uh, actually, well, you know, it's fitting, right? Because the director of The Incredible Hulk is, <laughs> is French. So, so I think- what you guys don't know is Robbie's actually traveling the world to wherever the director's from <laughs> to do his review from there. So Right, right. So most of the time, I'm just going to be firmly in the U.S. Uh, <laughs> right. but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's good. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm excellent, and I have a couple of leftovers, if that's okay, before we start, and they're really fast. It's going to take, take me 30 seconds. Yeah, let's do it. I just I wanted to comment how fun it is that Elon Musk is in Iron Man 2. Oh, did yeah. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, I did see that. So, Elon Musk, if you're listening to this, I'll take a free Tesla if you have, if you got the ability <laughs> to do that. But I thought that was really fun. And then also, Olivia Munn is the reporter. What the heck? Oh. Did you know that? So she has a cameo for like five seconds. I did not realize that. That's really interesting. So fun. You, you, know, you know who that is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah, where she was in the film, though, but... Uh, is she breaking the news at Monaco? I don't know, but I, she's, she's a news reporter. You'll see it next time. Huh, interesting. So Elon Musk and Olivia Munn, shout out to them for being in the movie. What's wow. your leftover? I just wanted to give a shout out to John Slattery, who is my favorite Howard Stark. And I love that he's introduced in this film, and I really like the way he plays the character and kind of continues to play it moving forward. So that was something that I meant to bring up and did not. What a name, Slattery. Right? And I was also just watching, I was just watching Mad Men the other night. um, And is he in that? He is, yeah. Um, And I was just thinking how perfectly cast he he was. I mean, he was totally cast based on that performance, right? Because Howard Stark is such a kind of like 60s swinger guy, you know? That makes more sense now, actually. Yeah. He does look like he should be in Madman. Yeah. Um, okay. The Incredible Hulk, Rob. Let's do it. Released on June 8, 2008. Now, quiz for you is when did Iron Man 1 come out? May 7, you know? 2008. So we're talking a month later this movie came out? That I mean, something I, like that. I think that's right. I actually think I said, this is funny. I think I said when we did our, our Iron Man episode that it came out in. April, yeah, you, and yeah. that was because I was in France, and so my results were the French release date, which I believe was April. Oh, wow. Um, That's amazing. And I went back and fact-checked myself later. So, yeah, it, it, I believe it was May 7th. But if we were doing John Favreau from Iron Man 2, you shouldn't have been in France. You should have been in America. I know. I'm really falling down on the job over here. I'm just running out okay, of travel well, points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Incredible Hulk is directed by, and I'm going to slaughter this, but Louis Leterrier. Is yeah. that French, Robbie? You Frenchman? <laughs> I believe so. I think maybe maybe Louis Leterrier. Um, yeah, that could be. Yeah, I don't know. Well, either way, screenplay by Zach Penn. That sounds American. Um, Edward Norton, Liv Tyler, Tim Roth, Tim Blake, Nelson, Ty Burrell, and uh, William Hurt. Two fun facts. It's the lowest grossing film of the MCU. I saw that. that. I saw that. 263 yeah. million, which is still a lot of money, yeah. but that's the lowest grossing. Let me tell you, and, Kyle, not surprising. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, let me tell you, that's the least shocking thing I've heard today. Um, other thing I thought was really unique is I found three different um, accounts on why Edward Norton is not Bruce Banner. 
oh, going forward. And obviously that's a huge factor into why this movie feels out of place, right? Right. It's because we have a main character that changes. Like think about if they did that with Thor or, or Tony. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. it would feel so weird. And I really don't have an answer after doing a bunch of research on it. You know, it's one of these things he said, she said. So I Marvel came out and basically like Kevin Feige came out and said uh, they basically let him go. Because they they weren't interested and they wanted a different character that could better portray it, uh-huh. and then Edward Norton's camp came out really offended by that and said like that's not the case at all. We met with Joss Whedon to talk about the Avengers and everything went well because Marvel basically had said that they didn't think he was going to fit in well with all the other actors, right? Um, and they said that's not true, and so there's just a lot of he said she said, but something obviously did not turn out right. So I actually, I read a little bit on this and what I thought was interesting and I had never heard this, um, there's an interview with the director who says that um, he actually initially wanted to cast Mark Ruffalo for this film. Oh, originally? Originally. I didn't, see, I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. And so I guess so why didn't they pull the trigger then? Well, so he says that they're friends, that they had worked on a film prior to this, and I think have worked on movies since then together, have partnered together. And so his version of this was that Marvel actually told him he had to pick Edward Norton because he was quote-unquote more famous and that Mark Ruffalo only did quote-unquote smart intellectual movies. Well, we, both of those things are offensive, but not wrong. Either. Right. I mean, it, like yeah. at the time, that is the case. No, totally. And I think it's an interesting thing. It's interesting to me, though, because I would kind of think of Edward Norton more as, yeah, like, you know, like the kind of not indie film guy, but more in, like intellectual film guy. Well, another thing that's fascinating is post this movie, obviously in the last 10 years, uh, he's done some really well-received movies since this time. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's just fallen off the map. Oh, totally. He's been in some really good films. So right. I, th- I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, but, it Okay, is. The Incredible Hulk. Let's, let's talk about it. If you haven't already, go back and listen to Robbie and I's rankings episode because we're going to get into this deeper. We talk about it a little bit on each episode, but there's a more complete episode called our rankings exp- explanation. Go listen to that episode. Yeah. But – this movie has 67% on Rotten Tomatoes critic and 70% audience. Wow. And that's so shocking. Cause like, for example, Iron Man 2 had 72%. And I just don't even know how you could put these in the same realm. Right. I do think there's a lot of explanations for that. Like, think about the timing of this. They had seen Iron Man 1 and given it a 93. And this movie was only a month later. So yeah. I think they probably felt like 67 was really low at the time. Well, and right? and you have to think that not only are they comparing this only to Iron Man, but we talked a long time ago about the other superhero movies that were out at that point. And most of them were pretty bad. Right. So this was probably like right in the middle of all that. Right. Like, I mean, compared not, to like Fantastic Four or Ghost Rider, this movie is, you know, like an Oscar nominee. <laughs> I don't know that I'd go that far, but I don't ever want to hear you say Oscar nominee in this movie in the same sentence again. Um, okay. So here's, here's what I want to do that's unique for this episode. We've been okay. doing a what worked, what didn't work, what's foundational for the MCU, and then kind of what's our overall thoughts and give a ranking to it. Right. The ranking thing is unique because if you just review this movie as a standalone film, especially with the context in mind that we just said of like Ghost Rider, it's not the end of the world. It's not terrible. But because of all these things that um, 
are troublesome to it, including Edward Norton changing out of Bruce Banner um, right. and switching with Mark Ruffalo. It's really hard to give this movie any kind of reasonably high score in context of the MCU. Right. But because this movie is overall not reviewed very well, and Robbie and I both don't like it very much, instead of us just ripping into it for 30 minutes, Robbie, let's just talk about what can we learn about Bruce Banner and the MCU from this movie? Is that fair? I think that's fair. I, I do think there are maybe, uh, well, there's one thing at least that I want to do a shout out to uh, in terms of something that I, that I kind of liked <laughs> um, okay. about the film itself. I think that Tim Roth is a, is a really great actor, and I think that he did a good job with what he was given here. And although I really, as I've said before, this is the pinnacle of villains that are just weird reflections of the heroes, um, I do kind of, there's something interesting about the fact that he's not trying to take over the world. He's not trying to get a ton of money. He's just this guy that's been in the military and his body's starting to fail him. And he's just obsessed with kind of fighting old age in a sense and kind of fighting like natural wear and tear. I think that's just kind of a unique and interesting villain motivation. I never really thought about that until this last watch, but I think it's worth highlighting. I was on a jog last night and I could not stop thinking about what you said about the villains being evil versions of the characters we know. Yeah. I never thought of that. That was really that was a really smart comment by you, Robbie. Hey, but I'm thinking about the more I was thinking about it, I was like, dude, that's really true. And this movie is kind of the pinnacle of that. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. mean, you literally just have like a beastlier version of the Hulk. Right. But wh- when do they start shaking that? Would you say? I would say I was thinking about it. You know, like Thanos is a shake of that because he doesn't. He's not just out there to end the world. That's one of my favorite things about him, is that he truly believes he has a destiny and after he's fulfilled his destiny, he wants to retire. Yeah. Yeah. The only phase one film in release order that, um, I think kind of shakes it would be Thor because in some ways the villains Loki, but it's not a traditional, you know, they, yeah. they kind of have Loki doing behind the scenes stuff. And it's like, I mean, Loki's also a God, but he's, you know, it's not like he has the same powers as Thor, but just he has brown hair or something. And so, <laughs> right. which is what we probably would have gotten, you know, in, a, in an alternate version of a, of a phase one Thor. Um, but I do, I think that, you know, it takes a while. Like, I think really phase three before, and even then we're getting some versions of that still. I mean, another version that comes to mind in phase two is uh, the yellow jacket villain and Ant-Man. Oh gosh. I mean, it's, a, yeah, it's identical. Yeah. I mean, it, it keeps going for a ways. And I think that I had this discussion last night. One of my favorite villains is Michael Keaton in, in homecoming. Yeah. But in a way you could argue there's some similarities there too. Like in the way that that Spider-Man is like a, just a neighborhood Spider-Man, like not a galactic right. superhero yet. Uh, Michael Keaton's just trying to provide for his family on a small scale, but at least he's not yeah. using like the same well, tech or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So see that I'm actually totally, I, I love that because I feel like it's a, it's a perfect marriage. Me too. Me um, too. Me too. I think that, and, and for me, you know, I think there should be some matching in that regard. I, but yeah, what I like the version, like the of, scale should still be the same, right? But yeah, the, the yeah, version yeah. of that for Spider Man is, is obviously Venom, right? Where right, it's okay, like just evil Spider Man, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And you, and so, like, and again, you know, when you, 
yeah, I mean, the Red Skull is evil Captain America, Whiplash, Iron Monger, evil Iron Man's, uh, Yellow Jacket is evil Ant Man. I mean, and, and even Doctor Strange, you know, he's he's just fighting like evil other apprentice of the ancient one. You know, it's it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh gosh, you're so right. Oh no, you're right. <laughs> um, okay, I liked that this movie does a good job of portraying that Bruce really hates this part of him. He hates the Hulk. He hates turning into it and it hurts him. It just, it does a good job of starting the character off in a way, you know, saying like he doesn't like this. Right. No, I think that's true. Especially in contrast to uh, Tim Roth's character to abomination because he loves that. Like he loves the feeling of that. Right. You know, the love story in this movie doesn't work. It's really cheesy. Yeah. It's really poorly acted. It's very poorly acted. It's really poorly acted, Robbie. <laughs> but I, I, but I, I promised I wasn't going to rip into it. So, Which I but, hate. I hate. I just, as an aside, I hate this because Kyle knows this, but as much of an MCU fan as I am, I'm, I'm equally a Lord of the Rings fan. And I love Liv Tyler in Lord of the Rings. And she just is not showing up in this movie yeah, she just decided to stay home. Yep. She packed it in. Okay, <laughs> um, I was trying to think in the context of what would this mean for the Bruce Banner that we know for him to have this past of a love story? You know, it just was unique to me to think about yeah. through that lens. No, that he's yeah. got this like broken heart, yeah. I guess, that he carries forward. I think that's good. And I like that because I, I like the idea that that he hasn't just been in a science lab somewhere for his whole life, you know, that he has a personal, I mean, which makes sense, right? I mean, yeah, I I think it humanizes the character a bit moving into the Avengers. Yeah. Where it also humanizes him is it does help explain like his hesitation with Matt later on. Yeah. And I would say as far as like explaining his motivations when it comes to Nat, when it comes to his embarrassment of the Hulk, this movie does an okay job of, of laying that foundation, you know, of why. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think some other things that it kind of lays the foundation for, not so much for Bruce, uh, but just in general that I thought were fun. You know, it gives us General Ross, who's going to show up again in Civil War and Infinity War. Okay, so let's talk about his character in this movie. Very different. What it, It's very different. Why, like, I, it's hard for me to buy that he's so aggressive. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's and again, I mean, it's just a problem. But, you know, I can get there. I think they address it in Civil War, right, with him saying that he has a heart attack on the golf course and comes back with kind of a new approach to life. I think that was them sort of saying, hey, this is the same actor, same character, but it's going to look very different. You know what? I didn't know that. I totally forgot about that line until you just said that. So thank you you for educating me. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So next, move on. Um, You you basically just answered that for me. (laughs) But but I will say, you know, what I like about – what this movie foreshadows in his character, even though I think the character does change a lot, is again, you see this idea that he's trying to militarize and control superpowers, which is exactly really what he's trying to do in Civil War. Is he's, Right, like control. I had the word control circled. <laughs> right. I mean, he's trying to make the Avengers his own kind of squad, essentially. Um that's what makes the post credit scene really interesting. Right, which this is probably my biggest pro from the entire movie because in terms of release order, I mean, we talked about this came out a month after Iron Man. This was the moment when we found out that Marvel was really building a shared universe. 
Yeah, which was a very cool moment. I mean, I remember that in the theater because we were all so hyped on Iron Man. We saw this movie, and then at the end to have him show up. I mean, it's an uncredited appearance, which I think is is even fun because there's just no indication that he's going to be there. And at that point, I mean, it's not like just because these were both Marvel movies that the characters would ever interact. You know, like it's that that we didn't ever have Superman and Batman interact prior to the MCU even though those were both DC heroes. So, I mean, that was a huge, like, Tony Stark walking in that door and then alluding to the team that Samuel L. Jackson's alluded to. Um, That said, I like having this where it is because, like, what I talked about, I think Marvel has, over time, figured out what the timeline of this is actually supposed to be. And there's another, I mentioned last time on Iron Man 2, this uh, Marvel one-shot thing that they were doing uh, there's another one called The Consultant that listeners might be interested to go look up, uh, which is basically supposed to take place right after Iron Man 2 and uh, The Incredible Hulk, where it's uh, Phil Coulson, because again, obviously I'm obsessed with Phil Coulson right now. Here we um, go. <laughs> Phil Coulson brought up episode <laughs> six. We're still bringing up Phil Coulson. <laughs> so it's Phil Coulson um, talking with, I think, Agent Sitwell about who should go and talk to Ross about basically recruiting him or, you know, it's sort of more complicated than that, but you can go watch it for the Avenger initiative and they wind up settling on Tony and it's called the consultant because at the end of Iron Man 2, there's the understanding that he's only going to be working with the Avengers in the consultant capacity. And so it really like this movie Uh really does work a lot better after Iron Man 2 than it does then, but they they put the scene in there because again, this was the way to to get everybody really excited, which it worked for me at the time. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I didn't. You know, you, when you watch it in this order, you don't feel that gravity of like, oh gosh, it's the first time you see Tony walk in and interact. But right. I can imagine if I wasn't as invested then as I am now, I would have probably been shocked about that. Oh yeah. Um. I I do like the overall tone of this movie that it has a little bit of more of like a, I don't want to say horror, a jumpy thriller, not grotesque, but as close as Marvel has been to kind of like a horror grotesque movie. I do kind of like that. It has that side, like, especially at the beginning, that first Um, Hulk scene, even the first Hulk scene, but even the first intro scene is kind of fun how they do it. You know, that he, how they introduce it and it's kind of mysterious. Yeah. And I think that's kind of fun. Um, yeah, that first Hulk scene, they definitely reveal Hulk in like a terrifying way, not in like a fun yeah. Hulk smash way. Yeah. You know? So I, I I do like that a little bit. I also do like um, that they kind of reference a lot of the super soldier stuff. I think it's a little bit of a fun tie-in to Captain America, how they're still trying to kind of recreate that vibe. Yeah, I was going to say that. I really like, again, to talk about our viewing order, I like that we've already been introduced to the super soldier program because then whenever... General Ross is explaining that uh, midway through the movie. We, again, it's sort of like the, it's the same thing we're going to get with Thor in terms of the Norse mythology reference in Captain America. It's something that we've kind of already, we've been aware of. And so now we're sort of clued in as the viewer, which I think is more fun than initially. A lot of people probably wouldn't have necessarily connected that to Captain America watching The Incredible Hulk, but we can make that connection now. Right. 
And then one of my biggest pros and cons at the same time is I, I do love all the like texting stuff with Mr. Blue and Mr. Green. Uh-huh. I remember it's like very mysterious. And even this time I haven't seen this movie in so long. I couldn't remember who the other side of it was. Right. Um, and so that's kind of fun for a while. Yeah. I, I had a hard time trying to guess what was happening and who he's talking to. Yeah. But then the con the con is obviously once you actually find out who Mr. Blue is, it's such a huge <laughs> huge right. letdown. <laughs> right. Like I was kind of hoping it would be someone we knew right. or something more powerful or something more secretive or someone truly trying to like abuse it. Yeah. But instead, it's just a really weird, stupid scientist that tries to be funny and it's not. Yeah. And I, I just thought that's a pro and a con. But again, I guess I'm just trying to tie it back to, I kind of like the horror, secretive, mysterious nature yeah. of the beginning of the movie. Well, yeah. And, and I think, I mean, yeah, because the end is just kind of CGI soup. Um, but I, I think that one thing I will say for this movie is that I think the Hulk is is a hard character to make a great movie with kind of based so on hard. his own universe and his own villains. And, and and I think like given what they had, it feels, you know, from the, from the whole comics I've read, kind of from what I know of the character's history in TV and film, it feels like a good adaptation of the character in that it's the Hulk is kind of supposed to be a horror character. It's supposed to be kind of Bruce Banner traveling around you know, and, and then turning into the Hulk and having to go somewhere else again and a little bit in secret, like he's always... Fl- I mean, so they hit all the notes, right? They just didn't play them very well. <laughs> but that's the... Oh, gosh. Okay, I, I got two thoughts. I mean, the entire plot of the movie is Bruce Banner's here, then he runs away. Right. And he's here, then he runs away. Then he's here, and he runs away. And people are trying to catch him. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yay. Um. But also on the practical nature of things, I think that's one interesting thing that they've gotten so much better in the later films is the technology they, they've they developed for the Hulk. I've right. heard that animating the Hulk is one of the hardest things for them to do, like one of the most time-consuming things. Huh. But I think in general that makes the character really difficult because we have to go from Edward Norton who's trying to act this character to whenever he turns into Hulk – Completely 100% CGI'd. Right. Blah, 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 you know? But I think it's one of the genius things they did later is that you get a lot of Mark Ruffalo's performance in the Hulk. Right, right. And so once they start getting that in there, it feels more natural to me. Yeah. But no, I agree. That's another reason I guess I'm just saying it could be a really hard character to portray, you know? And I think it's one of the reasons why ultimately I think there were talks forever about another solo Hulk film post Avengers, post Age of Ultron. And part partially because of the universal distribution issue. And I think probably partially for this reason, you know, they made the call to kind of play out a Hulk story across Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame. And I think that that was the, the right call because I think that the Hulk, yep. that character works a lot better in the context of the Avengers than right. it does on, on its own. And then that just reminds me of how beautiful Endgame is. I mean, for how hard this character is to portray, they pulled it off. Yeah. They pulled it off by making it more focused on Bruce Banner and less Hulk. And what a genius thing to now look back and say, look at all the ways they actually developed this character. Well, and this is my point and why I love the Professor Hulk thing in Endgame. It's because if we just got this version of the Hulk, it's so lame. Right. But they've grown him over 10 years to where it's believable 
and it's better. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe my final point here is that I think looking back on this movie uh, from Endgame, if we're talking about kind of what we learn about Bruce, I kind of, you know, I like the idea that this is the starting point of this character is trying desperately to figure out how to not be the Hulk. And then going from that point to then an Endgame where he figures out how to just embrace being the Hulk in a way beyond even what he does at the end of Avengers. I think that that's a, a really perfect, yeah, like full circle moment. No, yeah, it is. It is a really cool thing. Um, so this movie is obviously really hard to rank, but my overall thoughts is like the the visuals are really dated and cheesy. The love story is is garbage. It really doesn't work. There's very little chemistry in the entire movie. There's very little chemistry between Liv Tyler and her dad. There's very right. little chemistry between Edward Norton and his girlfriend. There's very little. I mean, also sucks to be the boyfriend of Liv Tyler. She I just do bails think on it, which, which is hilarious to me that that's Ty Burrell from Modern Family. It's just such a funny, <laughs> yes, weird is. role for him to play. <laughs> yeah, he just gets totally screwed. Right. Okay. Um. So I told you what the percentage earlier was. I, you know, I'm gonna say for me, it's a 45. percent If if 50 is like really not a great movie, wow. it's 45 percent for me, and it's it would be 23 of 23 in my rankings. So um, for me, I've ranked it uh, number two out of 23. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Did you just make a mistake? You meant 22 out of 23. Sorry. I was. No, 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 no. It's a. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> for me. It's Robbie's second favorite MCU movie. Right? I mean, obviously. Uh, yeah. No, so I have it, I have it ranked uh, at a 51 because I think it's, it's just, it's just okay. on the other side of unwatchable. Uh, okay. But it is, it is last in my, uh, in my list. Well, and again, I just have to give this disclaimer one last time. If this was the only movie we were watching, if this podcast was just a, hey, let's watch Incredible Hulk and do a show on it, I'd probably give it like a, a 58, you know? Yeah. But in context of this whole podcast we're doing at the MCU, it's just, I have to put it way at the bottom. You know what's really you know? funny with you saying that is I, I had it at a 58 prior to this rewatch. It's like we know each other. I know, right? Uh, but... All right, The Incredible okay, Hulk. Okay, so what? what is, yeah, what's next week? Next week is Thor. God of Thunder. I love <laughs> Thor so much. I love Thor so much. No, it's going to be fun. And this is also fun because next episode will be our last solo film in our version of phase one. And then we will be That's putting fun. everyone together for The Avengers. And in general, I think it's fair to say that when we started this podcast, Rob, we really had the dream of getting to these next few films, right? Like right. we're we really want to start talking about once the team starts coming together. Yeah, so. some yeah, some of these early ones feel a bit like a slog, but we uh, we're getting close. We're getting there. Yeah. So check back in next week if you guys have time this week. Please watch Thor with us. Let us know your thoughts. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear what you think. Thanks. This is the Friends from Work podcast. See you next week. Bye.